Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and today I'm really excited to be here with Jordan Harbinger. Jordan is an icon of the podcasting industry, and if you hadn't heard of him yet, this is an absolute treat. Uh, Jordan's always had an affinity for social influence, for interpersonal dynamics and social engineering, and he's helped private companies test the security of their communication systems and worked with law enforcement agencies and and been doing that even since uh, before he could drive. He spent years abroad in Europe, the developing world, South America, Eastern Europe, uh, all over the place. And he's uh, learned to speak several different languages, worked in all kinds of uh, governments and NGOs, and uh, even been kidnapped twice. Maybe he'll tell us how that happened. Uh, and he'll tell you that the the real reason that he's still here and alive and kicking is because of his ability to talk his way into and out of just about any situation. And uh, hopefully you won't have to talk your way out of this situation today. Jordan, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely uh, thrilled to have you. So, um, why don't you uh, just take a couple of minutes, and, and I know we've been through kind of your bio, but why don't you give everybody a little bit of context for um, what got you to the, kind of this stage of your career? Yeah, so, man, where do I begin? So when I was younger, I kind of, I went through school, kind of taught my. I was one of those guys who was like, oh, I'm just going to teach myself geometry on the geometry exam. And then I realized that there were a lot of smart kids in my high school, so I had to work a little harder, got to college, realized everybody was smart, but everybody was drinking a lot. So I couldn't outsmart everyone, but I could probably just outwork them by, you know, working a little and not drinking a lot. Uh, well, I, or just working a little. <laughs> and so anyway, I, wor- I worked everyone and I got to law school and everybody was really smart and a really hard worker. So I just said, okay, can't get smarter in a short period of time, can outwork everyone. So I went from being the guy who just studies sometimes to the guy who studies 16 hours a day, six, seven days a week, Then when I got to Wall Street as an attorney, everybody was really smart. Everybody worked 20 hours a day and I went, I'm going to get fired. They're going to figure out I don't belong here and I'm going to get fired. And that's called imposter syndrome. But back then it was called reality. Right. And so imposter syndrome for me was really scary because I thought this is what's going to happen. They're going to figure me out and then I'm in trouble and I'm not going to have a career and dot, dot, dot. All kinds of catastrophes are going to happen as a result. And so that was really scary for me personally. And so I, I've heard about this girl. There's whenever you're in law school, by the way, there's all these, I don't know what you call them, urban legends or something. And it was, Hey, did you hear about the girl that she didn't want to do any of the work they were giving her? So she worked from home for four years and all she did was read Tom Clancy novels. And then they eventually fired her Four years. She collected a salary. It's unbelievable. And I went, okay, I'm not trying to scam my law firm but I would love it if they didn't notice me and it gave me a lot of time to figure out what the hell was going on over here. And then by the time I have a clue what's happening, I'll be useful enough that they won't want to fire me. Sounds like a plan. Perfect. Let's do this. How do I work from home? Okay. That's a good challenge. Uh, I don't just stop showing up, right? That's not going to work. So there was this partner named Dave and he'd been the one who'd hired me and Dave was never in the office. And I thought, Dave must know how to work from home because he's never here. He's obviously just working from home because we're lawyers. We bill hours. We bill hours in six-minute increments. So (laughs) I I 
I asked him to meet with me and uh, HR made him do that because he was my mentor. So he had to check a box on a form somewhere. So he took me, it was funny because everybody else who was getting mentored was going to see Blue Man Group and going to McCormick and Schmick for lunch and having drinks. And he took me to the basement of our office building where there was kind of a pop-up Starbucks. And he's like, fine, uh, ask me whatever you want. You know, he wasn't a mean or rude guy, but he just, he had important things to do. And I was not one of those things, most likely. Uh, and he was right. And I said, so, how come you are a partner and everyone says you're this great partner and everything like that, but you never are in the office? What's going on? And he said, oh, people talk about that. They notice I'm not in the office. And I was like, well, you know, and of course now I'm backtracking because I'm thinking I'm going to get fired at Starbucks. <laughs> this is how my career ends. I try to go off the radar and I end up getting so far on the radar that now I'm going to get fired at Starbucks. And so he puts his Blackberry down. And he goes, no, I, I work from home sometimes, but what I really do is I focus on bringing in the deals. And I said, okay, great. Uh, how do I do that? And he went, well, well, you know, after you work here for long enough and you make enough connections with all the people in the industry and the investment bankers that are our clients, you know, you play enough golf, you do enough jujitsu, you go enough charity dinners and you're friends with all these guys, you're playing racquetball, you're playing squash, you know, they'll, you just become friends with them and they'll throw you the deals, man. You don't have to worry about it. And I, I went, wait a minute, you just told me like a million things I'm not doing and then said, but you don't have to worry about it. That's not, what are you talking about? I don't know how to do any of those things. And of course I'm thinking, I don't know how to play squash. I better learn how to play squash. What really he was telling me was I form a bunch of relationships. I'm more valuable outside the firm than I am inside the firm because inside the firm, he can probably bill 800 bucks an hour, a thousand bucks an hour as a partner. Outside the firm, he can bring in a million dollar law deal once, twice a quarter. So his billable hour bonus, which is probably at a partner level, I don't know, six figures or close to it, is nothing compared to the five or 10% he's getting bringing in a million dollar, probably 5%, bringing in a million dollar law deal every, even once a quarter. You know, why worry about billable hours when you can go do jujitsu, play golf, play squash, and then go, oh uh, yeah, Bill, send me that uh, memorandum about the, you know, the, the whatever kind of real estate transaction we're doing or the mortgage-backed security pool that we're doing for Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns. That's a lot easier. And so instead of figuring out how to work from home so I don't get caught, don't get fired, I was trying to figure out at, after that point, I dedicated my life to, wait a minute, there's another competitive advantage that I can build after having lost my other two, which were natural smarts and work ethic. You know, those are both very limited, but networking relationship development was brand new, was unlimited, and even better, nobody else was thinking about it. All those junior level, mid-level associates, all they were doing was grinding, which is what you have to do at a law firm, especially when you're new. Billable hours, billable hours, billable hours. And I went, okay, I'm gonna do that, but if I start to figure out how to network and create relationships now, then in five years when I kind of need this skill set, I'll have a five-year advantage on all these socially awkward colleagues that I have who are not really ready for this. And I had some great colleagues that were very social, and I asked them about this, and they went, yeah, you know, I, I guess just we work here long enough and we meet enough people that eventually we start making deals and make it, we, we call it rainmaking back then. Um, and, and we'll start to make business. And they go, but yeah, we should kind of figure this out. So me and this group of guys, who were always going out for drinks, we went, we just gotta figure out how to make friends with investment bankers. So we made huge spreadsheets of who do we go to school with, who do we know? What I know now is that we were proactively and very deliberately creating 
relationships, networking, and creating social capital. And I thought that was going to get me to the top of the law game. But what it really did was take me down this path of learning about nonverbal communication, persuasion, influence, networking, and relationship development, which is now far more interesting to me than law ever was. Yeah. Um, and I, I can imagine that it would be, um, because it's, it's, first of all, it's useful in every situation. Anytime you're around another human being, you can, you can use those skills and it's always different. Um, it's funny, my background is engineering and I, and one of the ways that I kind of escaped the pile in engineering was very, very similar. I learned to interact with the other human beings, whereas most engineers don't like to do that. Um, fantastic insight, but um, I think it's one of the most important competitive advantages that exists and it never goes away because most people won't do it. Why do you think that is? There's a couple of reasons. Um, so what, what has happened has been that, well, let me back up the truck. The reason I think it's happening that I know when, when I go to companies and law firms and speeches and things like that, what's happening for me is people say, Okay, but well, it, here's the entrepreneur pull. All right, I need to get my prototype going. I need to get my website going. I need to get my product launch formula ready with my team. Insert excuse here that sounds very, very, very convincing, right? Of course, I need a business set up before I can create relationships. Well, actually, it's better to have the relationships beforehand. Yeah, but I have no value to give because I don't have any income or any money or any da 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 da. It doesn't matter. That's not how we're creating relationships. And I'll get into that in a second. Or if I go to a company like Apple, people there go, yeah, but man, I'm so busy. And, or, you know, I know the people in my work unit and I'm not really planning on leaving my work unit. So, or my department. So, da da da. Or we're not allowed to talk to people from other companies because of trade secret stuff. And they're kind of worried about that. All of it's baloney, right? And you go to an engineering firm and then they, and here's where you get truthful answers. The scientists and the engineers at biotech firms, they go, that sounds incredibly awkward and uncomfortable. I do right. not want to do that. And I go, and I, it took me a long time to figure out that that was an honest answer. And the other answers I was getting were very convincing lies we tell ourselves when really pretty much everyone is just going, I don't really know how to start those types of conversations. I don't really know how to maintain relationships. I'm deprioritizing this because not only is it awkward, I don't see what I can get from it right away. And they have a fundamental misunderstanding of how relationships work, it, which I did too in the beginning. I was thinking, okay, I work at this law firm for eight years. I become a partner because I put in the time. Then dot, 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 country club, and I know everyone, and I'm networked. That is the opposite of how these things happen for most of us. What, what really works is you work your butt off, you build a ton of relationships, management loves you because, gee, you're bringing in business, you recruited a couple new associates, actually, you are on this other project because the managing partner of that firm knew you and asked for you by name, and you went to school with a couple other people on the team, so they recruited you for this other high-profile deal that's getting closed because they remember you from Michigan or Michigan Law or whatever, and, and now, they have to make you a partner because every, you're the one who knows everybody. It's not you make partner and then dot, dot, dot networking. That can happen. What, what's better is if they decide, look, 
we can't afford to let this Jordan guy go. Like if, if he gets a better offer somewhere else and we don't make him a partner, he could take his book of business with him. And those guys have been worth $8 million over the last eight years. doesn't mean we're going to lose them, but do we want to risk even losing one deal because he brought it to a different firm? Or do we want to just make this guy a junior partner and not worry about it? And I think the answer is pretty clear. And so that's how you really get ahead in this. You dig the well before you're thirsty and you create a lot of relationships before you really need them so that if there ever comes a time when you do need them, you can call upon them and you have them there ready for you. Because asking for something, asking for a favor when you don't have a relationship is like asking for a spare tire to be put in the trunk of your car after you get a flat. It's just not good timing, right? If I come to you out of nowhere and I say, and you know this from sales and recruiting and things, the best time to get a new job is when you already have a job. And that, and especially if that job is going well for you, if you're in sales and you can say, yeah, last year I closed $3.9 million worth of uh, color copier machine sales, right? That's a great time to go and ask for a raise or get an offer from another company in the same niche. It's not a good time if you go, so I got fired last year and I've been living off my savings and things are a little tight and I was hoping you guys could maybe get me in the door. That's a terrible time to ask for something. So the best time to dig this well is before you're thirsty. And the best way to do that is to create relationships before you need them. You know, it's great advice. Um, and, and you hear it all the time. Very few people in my experience actually act on it. And, uh, and so you're going through something right now. And I don't know that everybody listening is aware, but you're going through something right now where this is a, that, that little piece of advice you gave is actually really, currently important for you because uh, yeah. of, of a business <laughs> transition that you're going through. Right. And, um, yeah. I'm going to guess that because you've dug the well, that, that this transition is going to go a lot better than it would for a lot of people. But, um, you want to talk a little bit about how, like, does that advice, like, as you're saying it, does that just sort of like ring a bell in your head? Like, I'm so glad I've, I've focused on that all these years. I cannot even begin to tell you how clutch, how important this has been for me in the last few weeks. So what's happening, essentially, just to give everybody a little bit of background, is I ran a show and I founded a company called The Art of Charm, and it was about social skills and dating and stuff like that, and I did that for 11 years. I negotiated an amicable split because I got really kind of tired of being branded as some sort of dating guy when I'm married and I'm teaching, you know, I'm interviewing all these amazing people on the podcast and it's just, it just was not a good brand for me and negotiated an amicable split. That deal fell apart for various reasons, which I will not get into here because, uh, you know, there's, it doesn't matter anyway. And I found myself saying, huh. I could probably file a lawsuit and I might even prevail. However, I'm going to end up with an Xbox and a bicycle at the end of it. Or I'm going to take the rest of the team that is no longer working with the company and create something new, but I'm going to have to create it using only the skill set that I have and the team that I have and low resources and probably start without an income and, and just have my relationships. And it was really scary because I, I, 
you hear, you know, you watch ESPN or something and you see these athletes and they go, man, you tell, you find out who your friends are. And I'm like, ah, that doesn't mean that you find out how great everyone is. It means that nobody cares about you because you don't have your money or your platform or whatever it is. Right. And, and you see guys like MC Hammer who were popular in 93 and they're like, yep, everyone left me and I'm sleeping in my car. And you're just thinking like, no. So I was worried about that. And I started to reach out to the first thing I did is I made a well after freaking out. The second thing I did was make a list of people that I knew I could reach out to that I was just sure were going to say yes, because I was thinking my ego is not going to like it if I get rejected too many times while I'm already down. I can only take so many kicks right now while I'm already down. So I reached out to friends. They were like, of course, we'll help you. We can't wait. And that gave me a little boost. And then I made another list of hundreds of other people that I've reached out to and that I am reaching out to. And a lot of my friends are introducing me to people like you as well. And so it just immediately exploded into this opportunity of, oh, wait, I am finding out who my friends are. And my friends are so numerous that I had no idea. And then their friends are cool. And then their friends of friends are great people. And their friends of friends of friends. And so I have so many opportunities coming my way that I, I'm I just, I'm super thankful. I've been able to rebuild this. The Jordan Harbinger show that I run now is a couple of weeks old as of this recording and has about a million downloads. Wow. And I bear in mind, I didn't leave with the email list. I didn't leave with the social media. I didn't leave with the website. I didn't leave with the show feed. I left with my relationships, uh, my name, my skill set and my team, which does not include paid advertising and people doing social, it, my team is production and technical and web. This is not something that happened as a result of some sort of magic trick or me going, well, I'll just pay a million dollars and get my followers back. That's not an option. This is all from going on other shows, having influencers say, hey, Jordan's now at the Jordan Harbinger show. He left this other company. That's brought a huge number of fans back and also gotten me a huge number of new fans in just a few short weeks. And so I spent years and years giving and helping other people without the expectation of anything in return, not keeping score, not expecting anything. But the irony, or maybe the funny twist on that is, I really believed I would never need anything in return. I was not thinking one day I'm going to get shit canned and it's going to be <laughs> terrible and I'm going to have to call everyone. No, I was just thinking this is a good way to live. I kind of like it. Everyone thinks I'm a nice guy and it's really easy to help people. Now it's like, Oh damn, I'm glad I did that because had I ignored that, had I thought I'm a big shot, look at me. I run an iTunes top 10 podcast. I don't care. I don't have to help people. I'm a big deal around here. I got 300,000 Twitter followers. You know, that was not tempting because that's not really how I roll, but I could see why somebody who's at the top of any industry would say, I don't have to go to this conference and talk with these people. I don't have to reply to my fan mail. I don't have to reply to people who tweet at me on Twitter. It's a waste of time. I'd rather watch Netflix. I understand that, but I didn't do that. I answer all my email. I answer all my tweets. I go to all the conferences. People want to talk to me after my speeches. I talk outside for two hours. I just, I enjoy it. And that was a lucky break because that consistent process over the last 10 years, a lot of those people who I helped eight years ago via email, they remember me. The person who I spent three hours helping answering their questions eight years ago outside a conference, they're a big deal now. And they got 300,000 followers. And they went, remember when you helped me with that thing? And I go, no, but I'm glad you do. <laughs> so that's, that's what I've been leaning on for the last three, four weeks is that. And it's been just magical. If somebody offered me a million dollars cash right now and said, 
I'm going to give you this. You can keep your team. You can keep all your skills, but you can't keep your relationships, but it's going to help you rebuild your business. Here's a million dollars. I would say, no, thanks. I'd rather have the network that I have because I've probably gotten a million dollars in free exposure lined up over the next 90 days and people helping me out with things that I could never afford to pay them for for free just because I've known them and been nice to them in the past and helped them with other things. You know, going back to, to your statement about you'll find out who your friends are, I, I actually think you find out who, who you have relationship with. So you may have uh, you may have people that are hanging around you that are there because of something that they that they get from you, whether it's money or status or whatever. And I think like you, you mentioned athletes, I think a lot of the athletes and entertainers get into that because people are attracted to a tremendous amount of money and and fame and all that kind of thing. Um, and you do find very quickly you don't have relationship there. But I think what you're finding is that because it wasn't built on all of that, it was actually built on real human depth and relationship that now you've got something to lean on and you've got something of value. Um, and, you know, a couple of things that as I was listening to, you you know, you said, I, I didn't just do it thinking I was going to get something out of it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it because I just like to be nice to people. It, for everybody listening, it's actually that simple. Like it really is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. Like everybody's out there looking for like the, what's the hack? Well, how do I build a network like Jordan has? Well, there's no hack. I do have a couple of principles though that we could talk about that I think are useful that are kind of like mind mindsets, mental models. If we want to get into that. Definitely. Cool. So the first thing that I would say is like me before I met Dave and basically thought I was going to get fired I always thought networking was about a secret club, some going to some great school. Oh, I went to Yale, so I know important people. You know, that's kind of how I thought it was. Or you're born into it. You know, oh, my dad's a big deal. He knows the mayor. Oh, okay, so you're well connected now. I thought that's what it was. But really, your network is your business development army. You can create it faster because like the tortoise and the hare, if you remember that parable, there are people that are born into a network, and it is something to be coveted and admired man i will say i my one of my close friends he's just american royalty right you know his great great whatever grand uncle is paul revere literally and i found that out because i went to his house where his parents were and i went why do you have a giant painting of paul revere you guys are so weird and his wife who's a good friend of mine was like it's just they're related and and he was like oh yeah my parents have weird stuff you know he didn't talk about it because he didn't need to but his wife was like it's like his uncle so This is a guy who is just like well-connected as hell. It was just, his family knows everybody. They own a freaking island. And I thought, I'm never going to be able to do that. Like, I'm never going to compete with this guy in any arena. There's just no way. But I started focusing on these skills and everything over the last 10 years. And I realized, like the tortoise and the hare, people who are born into it, it's not that they're lazy, but they're kind of coasting, right? They've never had to think about, how do I make connections, They've never needed to. Their grandpa just sends an email or goes golfing with the CEO of whatever company you want to work for and dot, 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 you got everything you want, right? It, that's that's kind of how it happened. And these, luckily, he turned out well, but I think a lot of people in his situation wouldn't. And the problem is when those connectors out of your life go away, you know, they pass away or they retire or they whatever, you're out of luck. But for me, I went, 
I've got to grind so hard to get even 1% of what they've got as a network. So I ran that race. I, I ran that race or walked it as the tortoise has in the parable. And while the hare takes a nap, I realize, oh man, I'm kind of at the finish line. I've got a huge network. It's not the finish line per se in our story, but I've got a huge network and all these people that were coasting that looked so well connected, they have no idea how to do this for them, themselves. So you have to learn it because if you're ignoring this, you're not immune to the consequences. You're just really being ignorant, willfully ignorant of the secret game being played around you. So if you're at an engineering firm or a small business, you're in trouble if you think, oh, well, you know, I'll focus on this later because somebody at your level or below is thinking about it now and they're doing a good job at it and you're gonna go, how the hell did that kid I hired four years ago end up my boss? How did that happen? Or how come I didn't get that project? I'm a better fill in the blank than so-and-so who did. Oh, it's all about who you know, I hate life, right? People should be saying that about you. Oh man, this guy knows everybody. Of course he got the good deal, project, position, promotion. That should be you, not you whining about how things are unfair. So that's that's the first sort of set of rules. The other thing is, in dig, digging the well before you're thirsty is sort of the first rule there. but. Uh, if you have you ever seen Glenn, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, where yeah. he's like, always be closing. Right. So that's ABC, always be closing. The rule that we teach on the Jordan Harbinger show would be ABG, always be giving, always help other people without the expectation of anything in return. And the reason that that's important is because one, it's just a great way to live. It'll make you feel good. Yada yada. Nobody cares about that right now. We're trying to figure out what's in it for me. Right. I get it. So fine. Help other people without the expectation of anything in return. It doesn't mean that you have to be this sucker who gets walked on and always turn the other cheek or whatever. What this means, and the reason this is functional, is because you can't see the opportunities that are over the horizon. So if I'm a graphic designer, which I'm not, but let's say that I am, and I, I'm only looking for people who need graphic design or can help me find people who need graphic design, then I'm not gonna help you with your podcast audio setup even though I know a guy who could help you with that because what's in it? No, I just need to make graphic design. Hey, Steve, do you need a website? No. All right, next. Hey, John, do you need a website? No. All right, next. No, the way you do this is you say, hey, I know you've got a podcast. I happen to know this guy who's got a large following. I don't know if you guys want to connect, but he really, he talks about engineers and how they can work better in the office and it might be a good fit for your show. Sure, okay, now I'm connecting you two so I've helped two people without the expectation of anything in return, and I did it in a scalable way. Because people go, I don't have time to help tons of people. I'm trying to get my own stuff off the ground, Jordan. How, come on, man, this is a luxury. You know, this is a luxury. I can't afford to waste any time doing this. You can't afford to waste time giving people free graphic design help all day, but what you can afford to do is make one introduction every week. Every day if you can, but every week. Introduce two people. Now you've got two token units, whatever you want to call it, of social capital where they both go, hey, that was a really good intro. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. And you do it in the following way. You do the double opt-in. Have you ever covered this? If not, I'll no, cover it right go now. Ahead. So the double opt-in is when I say, hey, Steve, do you want an intro to this guy? He does financial planning for um, professional athletes. And since you're a professional athlete, you know, I figured you might want that intro. And you say... Sure, I'll take it. 
And I go, great. And then I speak to the, the financial planner and I say, hey, I got an athlete for you if you're interested. And he says, of course, thank you. Then I make the intro. Mm -hmm. The reason I don't just say, hey, surprise, here's an introduction is because a lot of things can happen that might make it awkward where the athlete goes, oh, this guy emails me every week. He's so annoying. And now he's in my inbox from a friend. I can't ignore it. I, now that's awkward for me. Or the other person says, I would love that intro, but I am slammed right now and I've got a kid who's really sick, do it in three weeks and then I'll be able to reply right away and I won't look like an idiot for having this thing get lost in my inbox. He's gonna get an autoresponder that says I'm on vacation. You know, there's all kinds of things that can happen. If you get the double opt-in, you get commitment just at a tiny level from each person and then it doesn't fail. The introduction is successful every time. And if one person says no, you can just say, hey, it's not a good time for that, but I'm gonna do it later on. And, th and then nobody goes, what a jerk. They just think, great, whatever, appreciate the uh, offer. Mm -hmm. So that's the double opt-in and it's important. Don't skip it, it takes an extra two minutes per introduction, if that, and it will make your introductions go smoothly, it'll make you look professional, people will appreciate it, they will always take an introduction from you because they know you're not gonna throw them under the bus and make it weird. So always be giving, always do the double opt-in and make it scalable by creating email introductions that are using the double opt-in, not just doing free work. Yeah, I think it's fantastic advice. And, uh, and with that, let's take a quick break. I want to come back. I want to unpack something else that, that you talked about. Sure. Um, and, uh, and I also want to make sure we let people know where to find you. So we're going to be right back with more from Jordan Harbinger. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, welcome back to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm here talking with Jordan Harbinger of the Jordan Harbinger Show. And uh, Jordan just shared, uh, I think, a fantastic couple of principles, uh, two ideas for how to go out and build your network. And um, and so you're talking about making these connections, um, which I think is real practical advice. Um, I think we've all heard it, you know. Uh, one of the things that I think people get hung up on is they feel like they need to make a, a super relevant connection. In other words, it's almost got to be like a business referral. And, um, and I always think that puts too much onto it. Most people are out there looking for connection with other humans anyway, particularly in business. And it doesn't necessarily have to be sort of that bullseye that, hey, here's your next million dollar deal, you know. So what are some of the things that you look for as you're thinking about who to connect? How do you think about, yeah, this person would be a really great match with this one? So when I'm thinking about who to connect, I'm really looking for, well, the double opt-in first of all will help with this, but what I'm thinking is, huh, okay, this person started a new podcast. What I should do is connect them with people I think might be able to help them. Or this person just said, I'm into cryptocurrency and I say, hey, how are you gonna do your taxes? And they go, oh God, I have no idea what I'm, I don't even know. I guess I have to pay taxes because I don't wanna go to jail, but I have no clue. And I go, oh, I happen to know a CPA who specializes now in this and his client roster is filling up quick, but you might wanna talk to him. Of course, 
that guy wants more clients. So I might even have a standing opt-in where it's like, anytime you want to introduce a potential client, just go ahead and do it. You don't have to ask me, but I'll always ask the other person, of course. And so I'm looking for an obvious win and an obvious fit because I'm not really trying to stretch it too much, but I think people might be surprised at what a fit actually means because there's tons of people where you can say, hey, there's this person who lives in your area and they raise chickens and they sell uh, eggs online that are somehow special, I don't know, whatever. But you, you're both entrepreneurs and you both live in Northern California and I know that he's in your area a lot because he sells eggs to the stores near you or something. So why, you, know, you guys might want to meet up at some point just because you're both good people. That's okay. It's not a great intro, but it's okay, right? It's not a bad idea to do something like that. That said, there's a lot of introductions that I've made where it's just, hey, you know what, you guys would get along because Jordan does interviews with crazy people and you help authors get their books done, so you know a ton of authors and Jordan interviews a ton of authors. I don't have anything specific in mind for you guys, but you guys should just know each other. That's a worthwhile introduction. It doesn't mean, wow, I hired this guy and now we're doing a business joint venture together. This is a great intro. Thanks, if that works for you, perfect. But you're not looking for magic here. You're not playing matchmaker at, at the highest level. You're really just trying to connect people who might have some interest in meeting. I would avoid stretching it too far. If it's just, this person's cool and you're cool, you should totally meet. It's like, well, if they live really close, great. But I'd rather just kind of maybe meet them the next time you're in town and we'll all meet because I don't know about you, but I'm busy and so I don't really, Steve, I don't really want to meet up with people. Just I have a lot of friends. I'm always down to make more friends, but it's it's going to be tough for me to take off a Thursday afternoon and just go, so Noah said you were nice. I'm spending half my work day talking <laughs> with you for no reason. It's just not, it's not going to work, you know? So, yeah. so look for people who have a business reason generally to meet or for people where you just go, no, trust me, you guys are going to love each other. Just trust me. If you really feel strongly, go for it but chances are it's got to be something for business, but it doesn't have to be you guys are going to found the next Uber. It can be this person knows people that you might need to connect with later. The end, that's, that's all you really need. They'll figure the rest out on their own. You're not responsible for managing their relationship after the introduction is done. Yeah, and there's no way. I mean, it's just not scalable. If you try and no. uh, you know, be at every meeting and facilitate the connection and all of that. You can only do what you can do, but it's still, I, I think one of the most valuable things that you can share with people is the the connection that you have with others that they don't know. I, I think it's it's actually a fundamental survival mechanism that we have as humans that separates us from everything else crawling around the planet is that we've got this ability to see the capabilities and resources of the other people around us and and see the need on the other side and make those connections. Um, and, uh, and I think we do that uniquely through, through language. And so, um, just one of those things that we don't use nearly enough. Um, but I, and I'm so thankful that, that you've spent some, some time today kind of laying that out. I want to make mm -hmm. sure that we get people to your new show. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the new show. I've been listening to it. It's fantastic. It, you know, it's funny whenever I, I, I listen to, uh, somebody who's been doing this for a long time, I learn just how much there is for me yet to learn about podcasting. So 
Um, so I'm going to school on it, but, uh, where can they find you? What are, what, what will they find when they get there? Um, just kind of give us a, a rundown. Uh, so on the Jordan Harbinger show, I'm taking the last 11 years of knowledge, experience, relationships where I'm essentially, I study the thoughts, the actions, the habits in the mental models of brilliant people, and then try to not try to, well, I'd like to say always successfully, a transfer that knowledge to the audience so they can apply that wisdom for themselves. So essentially I'll take someone's superpower and then transfer that and teach that to the audience. So every episode has worksheets. It's not just, I feel so inspired now. It's like, no, here are three things you can now do that you could not do before the show. That's why when I come on shows like yours, I try to be very practical. We talked today about always be giving, digging the well before you're thirsty, not keeping score, how to do the double opt-in. I want to change people's behavior, not just show them what's possible in their life or something nebulous like that. So on the Jordan Harbinger show, that's what we're aiming for. So every person that comes on is teaching something practical and we're getting ideally a really great and entertaining interview out of them as well. So that's what people can expect there. I, I feel strongly that every minute of a listener's attention has to be earned or they're just going to bounce and do something else because there's just too much out there. So my, my team and I, we're like, we have to create the best show. Otherwise, somebody who does is going to steal all of our mojo. So we're always on the on the grind. And and you do a fantastic job of it. Uh, and Thank so you. where should they go and find you? What What's the best place for them to, to find the show? Sure. So you're listening to a podcast right now or watching a video in any podcast player. Just go to search for the Jordan Harbinger show or you can go to jordanharbinger.com slash podcast. And there's plenty of ways to listen there as well. Yeah. And we'll make sure we link that um, up with uh, this episode in the show notes. So right. you guys can find it. Go listen to it. It's uh, it is uh, honestly, it's like at the top of my list now in uh, on my podcast player on my iPhone. Um, it, the the interviews are are really good. Um, the resources that you put along with it are fantastic. So um, so it's a absolutely a great show. Uh, thank you so much for investing some time with me today and with our audience today. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad we had a chance to meet. Likewise, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.